Hello and welcome to series three of my podcast, Innovation, where we get to hear stories and experiences of incredible women from diverse backgrounds and perspectives in science and technology. Our conversation gives us insights into some fascinating innovations, but we also get to relate because here on Innovation, I give women a platform to be heard and seen because this exact conversation is in video format on YouTube. And honestly, every single episode is inspiring and uplifting in some way, shape or form because we hear about what these women have learned along their life's journeys, both personally and professionally. This week, I speak to Abigail and Donna, who are from SISTEM. I'm Donna. And I'm Abigail. And we are SISTEM. SISTEM. Yes. Great name. So tell me about the name, first of all, and what SISTEM does. Um, We came up with the name because we are actual sisters and we both do... STEM subjects or in STEM careers and we've always had a love for careers and during our degrees we kind of like used each other for support and we used to call each other every day um, to just encourage each other to to finish the courses and whilst doing that we realised that that support helps and it would be great to give that support to other females in the industry as being a female in the STEM industry isn't always easy. So um, that's why we came up with system. And yeah, it's just a play of words with sis and STEM and system because we are a community and a system of support. It was a genius name. (laughs) You're addressing some really, really crucial things. Um, First of all, tell me about you guys because, you know, seeing women like you in STEM is not a common occurrence. So what are you doing in STEM? And yeah, let's start with that. What are you doing in STEM? Okay, for me, I have a PhD in biomedical science. So um, I did that uh, at Eston University uh, for three years, four years because of COVID um, and the whole pandemic. But um, I was studying aging. And before then, I was at um, King's College. I did a master's in neuroscience. And before then, I was doing biomedical science. I also, as an undergraduate degree, I also have two years experience in clinical trial research, uh, where I was doing admin work. And that was before I, between my master's and my PhD. So I've always been, I love science and I've always loved um research and um yeah that's how I've got into my fields but currently I'm now into medical communications so basically we're just the middleman between um healthcare professionals and um and pharma companies essentially so um just helping to educate and inform um, doctors on new drugs out there and new technologies and new, new ways of testing um, and all the um, clinical trials out there so and um yeah so I can't really do that um on lung cancer um and yeah so that's um, the area I'm in right now badass Donna So the area I am in is engineering. So for my undergraduate, I studied mechanical engineering at Brighton. And currently now, I am almost finished with my master's in advanced mechanical engineering at Queen Mary's. And yeah, the dream is always to be an engineer from when I was quite young. So um, I've just been making my way to that goal. Yeah. (laughs) 
That's amazing. Like, I mean, so much STEM between the two of you. Um, I'm so excited that, you know, engineering is a massive part of your story. Um, why did you choose STEM? Because it's not a typical choice for women. Um, and it's not a typical choice for women of color. Um, I'm not so sure in the sort of like biomedical field, but certainly in mechanical engineering. So what gave you the confidence to say, yeah, this could be for me? Um, for me personally, um, I've always been really good at maths. I really enjoy maths. And I've also had a, have a creative side as well. So I was looking for careers when I was in secondary school to go into. And engineering is what popped up. And from doing that research, I knew that this is something I would want to pursue in the future. And yes, there's been a lot of opposition. I was one of two girls in my physics class. Um, yeah. And even in my degree, I was probably, there was only about, let's say, five people of, um, of colour on the course. And probably like two girls. And yeah, so it hasn't always been easy to not see yourself. But for me, if I don't break that barrier, um, no one else will. And no one else will like kind of expose that world to other people. So, yeah, I feel like it is a kind of guarded world, but you kind of have to break it so that other people can know about engineering. And it's not just um, cars, because a big misconception about engineering and mechanical engineering is that you are a mechanic. I am not a mechanic. Um, I I like to do my levels. Um, so I wouldn't, I don't get greasy. Um, engineering is more about uh, problem solving and finding solutions. And there, there's so many aspects of mechanical engineering itself that um, unless you do your research, you would not know. So yeah, you just have to push so that other people can know that. Yeah. How about you, Abigail? Because um, I think it's not so bad in your area, your field, in terms of gender balance. Yeah, no, it's true. And actually, I see more females um, than males. But in terms of, um, but then in senior roles, you see more males. So as, you know, lecturers and, you know, um, senior management in industry is usually um, male. But then when it comes to being a woman of colour, um, yeah, that's where I had my issues because especially when I got into, from my, my master's, I started to see fewer and fewer and fewer of people that look like me. And um, I certainly didn't know anyone who had done a PhD before. Um, from the area that we grew up in South London, it's not the norm. So when you even tell somebody, oh, I'm doing a PhD, they look at you like, what? Like, when did you start or when, like, <laughs> how did you even get there? But um, it's something that I, it was a, it was a dream to be a doctor, but it wasn't a dream to be a PhD, like to have a PhD. Um, and I realized very early on that medicine itself wasn't for me. Um, and I, you know, I went through all the process and I, I didn't get the best grades uh, at A-level and I, I thought my dream was over. And then, um, I, so I went into Dubai Medical Science just to get a way to get into medicine. But when I finished again, 
I didn't do well in the entry um, exams. So I thought, okay, let me do a master's as well. Maybe after my master's, I might, um, you know, go back and <laughs> try and do medicine again for a fair time. But then during my master's, I really enjoyed um, research and was like, and then I found out about PhDs and how you can get sponsored. And that just became my new dream. And um, yeah, so I, I would say that I was encouraged by, um, I always um, talk about my science teacher from secondary school. She was a woman of colour and she pushed me hard. She really pushed me. And the school that I went to was not the best school. At the time I entered in, they said it was the worst, worst school in the borough. And um, it was true. When I went there, the it was you know a lot of it wasn't the, the best but we had a great head teacher who really pushed um, the school and transformed the school from um, a poor school to uh, the best improved school in the in the area so really um, I was pushed by the science teacher she would give me extra work that um, other people didn't have and just so that because she saw potential in me that I didn't actually see in myself um, and anytime I would ask her I'd be like oh, miss do you think I, I can be a, a doctor because I was doing an applied science um, I wasn't doing the normal GCSE and it in ways people thought that was easier um, and because it was just mostly coursework then and just uh, one exam I think um, at the end of the year and she, she said yes even with this applied science qualification you can be a doctor she reminded me of this all the time and so I always have that um, positive role model in science and, and reminding me always that yeah you can actually do it and you can do beyond um, what you, you do and also I think so going into King's College was a big con co um, confidence boost for me because once again when I first um, applied for medicine I went to an open day in King King's and I knew that I couldn't actually get into this uni with my grades but I just went there just to to see how it is and I was like oh I would really love to come to this university um, but yeah that was a big confidence boost for me and I realized that yeah you can actually do so that caused me to you know apply for PhDs because yeah I thought I could actually do this so yeah. I don't know, just listening to you, I feel so proud of you both. Oh, oh. thank you. <laughs> like you've really like believed in yourselves and you've really pushed yourselves despite the odds. Um, what do you think of each other? Oh. <laughs> well, Abigail's like my best friend. And I, I always say like, if I didn't have the support of Abigail, I'm getting a bit emotional. Um, <laughs> I don't think I would have got as far. I would have given up, like from from like my first degree, because I I don't think I'm as confident um, by myself. But having that support behind me has really pushed me to go further. Because I now understand that it's not. I'm not just doing it for me. Like yes, I, I love um, all these achievements, but there is a bigger picture here. And yeah, Abigail always reminds me of that. And it just, I just, what would I be without Abigail? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really feel the same as well. Um, even though, like, Donna's my younger sister, but um, I asked for her for advice whenever, during my PhD, I was always calling her, crying over the phone, like, I can't do this. And she would encourage me, like, yes, you can. Like, you deserve to be there. So she's been our biggest cheerleader. And I'm really proud of her with all her achievements because, as she says, I mean, engineering field is not easy, especially as a Black woman. But she, you know, she, against all odds, she you know 
plows on and continues and you know is, is succeeding in the field and I just see so much potential I always tell her all the time that she can do anything um so yeah I think that's why we came up with the STEM because we wanted to, to combine our dreams and just you know support each other um in another way apart from obviously being sisters yeah it's just incredible what you guys represent because when I hear you talking about what you studied, it does make me think back to my own experiences. And, um, you know, having done engineering myself, I, I have to say, like, I'm not really proud of it, but I was driven by this need to prove that a woman like me could do engineering. Um, what are you driven by? Because uh, I get a real sense that you're genuinely interested in what you're studying. So what drives you, first of all? Well, for me personally, it's the, the passion for engineering. And from seeing a, an idea come to, to actually be a physical product, I always loved that process. So no matter how many people that will tell me that uh, I, I don't deserve to be there, I'm like, okay, well, I know I'm good. So if you know you're good, what matters whatever anybody says doesn't matter and yeah like there's so many examples where um I step into glass and they'll be like oh um, are you sure you're supposed to be here and it, it it is discouraging but also having having her there and just like calling her up like if anything happens or if anything funny happens I'll just call her off immediately I'm like oh this person says this and she'll be like oh but Donna you know you're good you don't need to listen to that and that will kind of like push me so um, just having in the back of my head, like, yeah, just not to think about my circumstances, not to think that, oh, you're a black woman in this. Because uh, if you do start to focus on those things, it does put you down because it's not nice seeing, not seeing yourself in those places, especially um, the senior roles and stuff, or even like a senior lecturer. The first time I saw a black lecturer was at Queen Mary's. And that was a shock uh, that I've never seen a black female lecturer as well. So yeah not being able to see yourself is sad but the passion if you know you're good at it and you love it it shouldn't matter what anybody else says yeah yeah and then for me my motivation comes from just being in the health uh, industry helping people um we all have you know family members and ourselves who've gone through um you know who go through conditions go to hospitals um are ill and especially I think my passion was for aging um and one thing I do like because I the reason why I went to neuroscience was I just I just love the brain I just love how complex it is but I also love if that's the word how it can deteriorate and people you know someone who was so strong someone who was so you know capable can just in an instance that can be reversed and that like I really wanted to be part of the solution or of how we can you know um, improve age uh, old age old age health um, and also so I'm really just passionate about helping people um, and improving health so that's how I got into into science in general and I'm just so interested in science like from a young age from the age of well from secondary school I've always been interested in how um, just the vast amount of um, things that science is involved in and um, just how the body works and yeah all that um, is really where my interest stemmed um, 
from and then also just being um in terms of being a role model and showing other girls that you can do it because I my story is that I was the bottom of the class and I you know worked my way to the top of the class and then obviously to all these degrees that I have and um I just want to show people that that can happen whether whatever your circumstances whatever area you're from whatever school you went to whatever qualifications you had as I said my A-levels were rubbish to be honest like I it, it took me a long time I had to even start pretending or I had a fake A-levels um, grades that I used to tell people that I got um, especially when I got to Kings and people would ask I would come up with this story of yeah I got you know B's and all that which was a lie but I had to do that because I was quite ashamed with my A-levels but proudly I can tell people now like you know yes I got um, D's and E's like, I can proudly say it because it's part of my story and it's part of what makes me who I am and if that's part of the drive just to not only prove to myself but prove to others that you can make it um you know wherever you're starting from and that science is not actually hard like um yes it is hard actually but <laughs> in terms of you can do it because I speak to you know young kids I've spoken to a seven-year-old before and she's told me that science is hard and I was just surprised I was like at seven years old, for you to say science is hard and you've not even started science at all, um, it's, yeah, I just want to break that that narrative that it is hard. It is hard, but everything's hard in this world and it's just hard work. And just once you you do love it, the, the understanding will come and it's, yeah, it's it, it, you're able to push through and actually achieve. Um, that is such a great message. And it just feels like you were motivated by a genuine interest. But what has come out of that genuine interest are true role models. Like the both of you represent um, something so crucial. And I wanna try and put it into words because um, I see a lot of young girls and not just girls but you know we're living in a world where people are trying to be themselves and sometimes they don't feel accepted um they don't feel like they can truly be who they are because they've got to conform and what you two represent are people who did it anyway despite not being the norm so that takes a lot of inner strength it takes a lot of inner confidence and self-belief um what were the ways that you employed to kind of push through um, times where you felt really out of place? I would have a breakdown on the phone to Abigail. <laughs> and I think that kind of, sometimes you just have to uh, acknowledge your feelings. And before, um, I never used to speak to Abigail on the phone about, even about work. So before, during that time, I would be really upset and even like going to class. I'd be like, well, I don't understand. Why am I here? But I don't know. One day I just started speaking to Abigail and then I kind of like let it all out and it was no longer a burden on me. And I think a lot of girls out there, they carry that burden and they just hold it in and it's not healthy, number one. And two, you're not going to progress until you, you face your demons kind of thing. So for me, I would say um, letting it all out and also um, getting advice from other people that have been in the field. Um, apart from Abigail, there was like other female friends that I made in the years above who'd give me advice on like what to do. 
and like how to do things and once I learned that uh, it was a lot easier to do the course because yeah it's just free information and a lot of people kind of think you have to do it on your own they don't there's so many people that have gone before us and have done it and since they've done it what is stopping you from doing it yeah yeah for me um how I dealt, dealt with it is also the same thing. It's about community and speaking to the right people because sometimes, like, especially during my PhD, I would speak to certain people and they just don't understand what um, I'm talking about. So I'll be like, oh, I'm really struggling and things. And they'll just be like, okay, well, anyway, I've written like, you know, 70,000 words, blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, no, I just really want someone who who understands me. But it's just getting the right friends around you and people that will encourage you. And as even the people that have not even done a PhD before, some of them um, I spoke, to, I had a real um, support from my friends. But then there was other friends who had no clue. So you'll speak to them and they'll be like, "Oh, it's just what six thousand words you need to write." And I was like, "No, it's not." They're like, "Oh, what's taking you so long? Why can't you finish?" And that kind of um, pressure it adds to the pressure. Um, so it's all about speaking to the right people and, as you said, community. And that's one thing that I struggled with. I felt those times I really felt alone because, as I said, I, I moved to a new area. I went to Birmingham. Didn't know anyone. And um, yeah, I was just, I didn't know whether to be, which Abigail to be basically, to be the one that is, came from Kings and, you know, is so smart or be the one that came from Brixton, uh, South London, and this is not the norm for. Um, so, you know, I, I realised that I can actually be my real self and, you know, just getting the right people around me and talking to talking it out, as Donna said, is really important because, yeah, if the more we bottle it in, the, it's not going to help and it rather it really discourage you and you can end up just giving up because, yeah, it's, it's, that's the reality of it. But when you actually focus on the goal and focus on, yeah, where, where you want to be and, you know, just remember, always remember what motivates you and what drives you, um, it just makes it a little bit easier. Yeah, I think you mentioned that, you know, talk it out and there may be skeptics. Um, I was one of them back in the day where I would have said, yeah, but there just isn't anyone around to talk to. But I think the key message is that there is always someone or people out there that can relate. Um, and it's a question of, searching for them because they do exist I mean when I think back to my days um, when I really needed to reach out and talk to people there just wasn't anyone around because I was in a really competitive environment and I didn't want to reach out for help or even advice or even just a chat because I didn't want to look like I wasn't coping um, but I think the message that you're conveying today and the message that I now know years later is that no matter what there are people around to talk to it's a question of finding them and sometimes it's not easy to find them but you know they are out there so I guess my next question is what does system offer like could people call you up you guys and be part of your sisterhood like what does system do yeah so that's that's the aim and that's the our biggest goal to network women to connect women together so um currently we do that through social media um particularly through um instagram 
So we've, we're building a network of women who have been there before and women who are now coming up and, you know, maybe studying or maybe just came out of uni. And we really want to help each other, even though we may be all in different fields, but we want to form a network where people can easily just, you know, yes, contact, if, contact us. If we don't know the answer, we'll just be like, oh, yeah, we do know this person. We do know this um, woman. She's been there before or she's got a, she's got a network of her own. Um, she's got an initiative where she helps people. So, yeah, we, we, uh, that's what our goal, to just connect women together. And um, I think it's, we want to do it in an environment where it's not so, um, I'd say, rigid or strict or um, uncomfortable. Because a lot of sometimes when you, you're forced to network, even in a work environment, it can be a bit uncomfortable and just a bit like, oh, I don't want to talk. I'm a bit shy. I don't want to ask for help. But we want to do um, things, whether it's through social media or it's through in-person events, where we just make it relaxed and make it very easy to, to talk with someone and, you know, just to, to network and introduce yourself. And yeah, so we just want to create that you know, um, nice, <laughs> nice and friendly environment um, to do so. And yeah, and then we also receive tips and advice from um, experts and people, you know, professionals, health, healthcare professionals or um, engineers or, what, or whatever in STEM. Um, and we're trying to, collect all this so we release these tips every week um just so that you know one one day you might be on our page and just need some encouragement just you know click on one of our tips and just see the amazing advice that is given by people who've been there before what would you say so far have been the best tips you've given out like what would be examples uh so one of our tips were given by um a lady that works in tech as a software engineer and one of her tips was just just do you can apply for a job whether you think that you actually qualify or not because a lot of times we hold on we read this job description and we disqualify ourselves before we've even applied and most of the time sometimes these job descriptions are just very elaborate and you I could actually do the job but it's just the way that the words have been put in on paper um you just yeah you've disqualified yourself before trying and she said the worst they can say is no and that's even helped me in my life I'm like yeah actually the worst that someone could say is no and if they say no fine like you know there's other opportunities and it's all it's all part of the experience of just you know try applying for jobs and all that so um I think that was a very good um good tip to give to to people to just not disqualify ourselves because I nearly did that with my current role I'm in it right now I said I saw the role and I said, no way, I can't do this. I just came out with my PhD. I don't have no experience, um, you know, and there's so much people higher than me and better than me, cleverer than me that can do it. Um, but then, you know, I just applied for the role. And even during the interview process, I nearly gave up because I thought this is far beyond me. Um, but really, they they were really impressed with me and they really liked me for who I was. So if I now disqualified myself and blocked myself, I wouldn't be in the position I am now in. And truly, when I start the role, I could actually, do, I can do the role. So yeah, it's very important that we don't disqualify ourselves. And it's all about confidence, I think. Yeah, that's the, the main thing, like the confidence that we have in ourselves. And that's something we want to increase amongst um, girls like us. I mean, that is such an amazing tip. And honestly, it's like one of the key examples that I've heard over and over again. I think it was like a Harvard study where there was a job interview that had 10 different criteria. 
And um, a guy looked at the 10 criteria and had like four out of the 10 and was like, okay, I'm going to apply for the job and I'll just figure out the other six things that I don't know how to do um, once I get the job. Um, So much confidence. And then the girl looked at the 10 things and had like nine of the 10 things and said, I'm not going to apply because I don't have 10 things. So, I mean, if you guys can really nail those key things that hold women back, honestly, together, what you've got is so powerful. You know, I'm just so excited for you guys because I feel like there's something really fresh about what you're offering. Um, And I think, you know, you'll really help a lot of people. I'm playing a bit of devil's advocate here because... When I hear about what it is that you are giving away to women in STEM, I I kind of like trying to find the areas where women will tell themselves no. Um, And shyness and um, not using your voice and not putting yourself out there maybe a few of the things that hold women back from getting in touch with you guys. Um, what can you say to that? Like, you know, cause I feel like connecting people um, yeah. is always really difficult just because of who we are, you know, like it's scary to get in touch with people we don't know. So what would you do? What would you say to address that? I think we try to be as honest and vulnerable with people online, which gives them um, kind of like a relatable, um, yeah, it makes us relatable for them. So it's not as scary to approach us because even on our page, uh, even though we do have like our professional pictures, we also try to do show um, people that were, we can be social as well. So we're more approachable. And another thing we do is, but also very honest with our feelings about STEM. Um, you're not going to love STEM all the time. Like um, Abigail said, science is hard. So we do express that as well. So I think from that, people are like, oh, yeah, I, um, yeah, I'm not the only one that doesn't like my degree right now. And they're like, OK, we can talk to these girls. Um, but also um, from Brixton, as Abigail said, and that is not what we've done is very uncommon. So um, I think it also shows people that, yeah, we're real girls um, and we have come from not the best background, but we still managed to achieve. So um, it does kind of make us different to if you were approaching someone that um, was coming from a typical background, um, had all the funding. Um, Yes, because we have similar stories to people who would want to approach us. And even if you don't have a similar story to us, because we're so real with it and we don't sugarcoat anything, you'd be like, okay, yeah, let's talk to these girls. So um, System is kind of like that middleman, uh, which is why I do love it and love the name. Yeah. <laughs> now, I mean, Donna, the fact that your nails look so amazing right now. <laughs> all that I needed to see. Because, you know... A woman with nails like that being an yeah. engineer is so bad. <laughs> and it exists. Like, you guys are breaking the stereotypes. Because when I was in engineering, I honestly felt odd being female because I was surrounded by a bunch of guys. And they were 
that I look back now and I think the guys were intimidated by me, but I was so young and fresh and new into engineering that I was intimidated by them. So everybody was intimidated. And what I love about system is that you're just saying, look, it's okay to be yourself. Look at us. We're doing it. And yeah. it's working out. I mean, it's kind of like you don't even need to say anything. You just need to be yeah. enough of inspiration. Um, okay, so how do people get in touch? What are the ways? So they can contact us through our Instagram page um, at System UK. Um, so we're predominantly right now focusing on our um, Instagram. Um, but then, you, you know, you can send us a private message on there or you can email us as well. We have an email address um, that we can. Um, yeah. So through our email address, you can contact one, us and then we could, um, you know, get get you just get in touch um, through there. Uh, but yeah, as we said, we want to do face-to-face events. We want to meet the people in real life and, you know, just whether that's in small groups, we just want to, you know, um, connect with people and just, as I said, in a relaxed environment. So um, we want to do things differently, not the typical conference you go to with a speaker in front or a panel. We want to do things in a nice environment. As we said, we are not the typical scientists and engineers. Um, <laughs> Even on on our Instagrams, you just need to see it. We, you know, we love to travel. We love to, we love fashion. We love doing our hair and our nails. Um, So we, um, yeah, we want to show that even in our events, we want to show that side of us as well. Uh, We love going out and eating. So we want to do, to also like, you know, take people out to nice places and have, just have a relaxed environment where we can now all have one common um, goal or one common um, interest which is STEM so um, so yeah so you can get in touch through Instagram or through our email. Well that is so awesome um, I while I was listening to you guys I was thinking about AFB UK which is the African no association for black and ethnic minority um, engineers. Um, And the reason why I was thinking of them is because uh, we all got together earlier this year and had an event. Um, And the energy around the people was just so uplifting and so supportive and so encouraging. There wasn't a single moment where it felt competitive or everyone was kind of boasting about their achievements even though the people in the room had achieved so much there was just a real spirit of community and um, this real need to watch everybody succeed in their own way and I really get that sense from the two of you I mean I, I see that genuine Um, kind of love between you two to see each other thrive and you're doing that for each other and if you can do that for other women in STEM then you know the sky's the limit for you guys so it's been amazing getting to chat to both of you at the same time Um, (laughs) thank you so much for all you're doing I know that you're kind of right at the start of this journey um, and I'm looking forward to 
you guys gathering momentum and helping loads of women in STEM because, you know, you are absolute leaders and role models in this. So thank you. Thanks for listening and please do subscribe to this podcast and maybe even rate and review it if you can. The more ratings and reviews and the more interest from those trusty algorithms, which could help to increase the reach of this show. And you can watch the video recording of this conversation on YouTube on my new series called Esteemed. It's all about self-discovery, self-evolution and inclusivity on innovation. Let's all strive to be in the best versions of ourselves and celebrate others being themselves too. As always, be kind and loving, and I wish you all a great week.